Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. Enjoy more of the things you love with TCL. It's the Score North Twin Show. And welcome into Talking Twins, a production of Mackie and Judd. We're going to be talking twins on our show on a daily basis. We'll probably talk more twins baseball than anyone else in the market. But also on Mondays, we're going to bring in our friend uh, Jake DePew. For Talking Twins, an expanded version each and every week, touching on the good and the bad of this baseball team. And uh, Jake, how excited are you that baseball season starts on Thursday? As of now, we're slated to play at 162, and the Twins have another chance to end their 18-game postseason losing streak. I am. I'm excited. Uh, I, I'm Like you said, I'm excited for 162. Last season um it's not what baseball is is all about for me which is the marathon you know like it was it was nice that we had it obviously it was better than nothing but uh baseball for me is all about 162 and and just uh letting the story unfold over six months um and and obviously having fans back is going to be great uh so i I, i'm excited I, i i hope that they get through without you know any major COVID issues of course and um this could be the last season that we have baseball for a couple of years I didn't so, want to say I didn't want to say that part, but you're absolutely correct. Yeah, well, I guess what I would say is enjoy this season because we don't know we don't know what's coming after that. But yeah, it's exciting. I'm ready to go for boarding stuff. So let's get to the good stuff. Let's start with this a, a game that we played quite a bit actually during Viking season going into games. It's called Confidence, Concern, and Curiosity. But in, instead of this being for one football game, it's going to be for the Twins 162 game season. We will each um, go with a confidence. Follow that up with each giving you a concern and then a curiosity about the 2021 Twins. And Jake, I want to start with you and I want to start with a rarity for me, a confidence. Not the concern, not the curiosity. What are you most confident in when it comes to um, the Twins in 2021 in their quest for a third consecutive division title? I'm most confident in their starting rotation being really good. Uh, and that's something that we haven't been able to say much, you know, in the, in the past, uh, the, you know, the, their top two of Maeda and, and Barrios, I think can stack up with, with anyone in the division, certainly. Uh, but they have a lot of depth, you know, uh, Pineda, and, uh, Shoemaker, and then obviously, um, you know, Hap, and, but Dobnik, uh, who just got the extension, you know, he's, uh, he's not even in the rotation. And to me, he would be a, a number four or five for, for almost any team in the league. So, and, and obviously with the injury issues that, uh, Shoemaker and others have had in the past, he'll, he'll start a lot of games, but 
I think that rotation is going to be really good. And Maeda, we might not think of him as an ace, but he finished, what, third in the Cy Young last year? I mean, To Bieber, second. Yeah, second, second. Okay, so, I mean, you know, based on his performance last year, at least he's an ace. So um, I'm pretty confident that they're going to have really good starting pitching this year. And so two years after they hit, what, big league record, 307 home runs, I'm with you. And Mike and my confidence goes to one guy, and you just brought him up. Maeda is, as far as I can tell, the real deal here. The Gratterall trade looks fantastic. I mean, and and Bruce Dar for the Dodgers might be great. I don't know, okay? But what I love is Maeda stepped in, and granted, it was the shortened season last year, but he goes 6-1, and 2.7 ERA in 11 starts, pitched well in that playoff game. And here's what I, I really like, Jake. In my opinion, Maeda, who I think is a pretty – calm cool and collected pitcher and i do believe that the dodgers had such an embarrassment of riches that he really didn't get the full-time chance there i I don't think he screwed up there i I just think that they have so many options that he got shoveled or shuffled to the bullpen in the playoffs but what i love about this too and this goes to your point about depth is this allows barrios to slot in beautifully at the two and so, like, we can be done with all of this. Is he going to be an ace? Is he finally going to step up? Rios is still young, so that option exists there. But I feel like we've been banging the drum on this for so long, Jake, that, you know, the last three years, it's basically been Rios is starting opening day, and does he take the step? And at every turn, he looks like he's going to at times, and then there is a regression at some point. Well, he can have that now. And it's not the end of the world because he's not your he's not your ace. He's just a very solid pitcher, and he's, in my opinion, the second guy who slots in. So Maeda to me is so important because it sort of allows guys in the rotation to fall where they should fall. And I don't think that the spotlight for Kenta is going to be too big. So they finally put themselves in a position where I think a lot of this rotation, and especially the top three, Maeda and then Brios, and then Pineda, if they're healthy, it actually makes sense. And I don't think you're asking anybody then in that rotation to do too much. Yeah, that's exactly right. And and I, I think Brios is a guy that um, cares a lot. And I think sometimes maybe it, it's never a flaw to care too much, but I think sometimes maybe the pressure of being that that ace or you know the the number one guy uh maybe maybe has gotten to him a little bit and and now he he doesn't have that and you know he, he we saw in the playoffs last year before he unfortunately got pulled um way too early in my opinion uh he was pitching fantastic you know and and i, I who knows if that's because he was number two as opposed to the game one starter probably not but like it, it was clear that he had now taken that next step and, and the, the pressure of the moment wasn't too big in that game you know uh he right. pitched he pitched fantastic in that game. And um, I, I expect a big year out of him. And, and we say that every year, you know, so who knows? But um, I, I do think having Maeda there is really going to help him, to your point. Rocco, if you get to the playoffs, leave guys in. It's okay. It's the playoffs. There's no tomorrow. Barrios didn't have another game in five days. Leave your pitchers in. I like your bullpen, too. It's fine. but. My God, I I am still reeling from the fact <laughs> that in games one and two, both those guys got pulled. All right. Yeah. Second thing, your biggest concern as we start the season on Thursday in Milwaukee for the Twins. 
<sighs> I guess the bullpen. Uh, they lost a lot of arms from that bullpen. Um, you know, and 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 Colome is a very good reliever. I also think he's due for some regression. I mean, he had an ERA under one last year. That's that's not going to happen. He doesn't strike out a lot of guys. Um, I think he's a, a nice weapon, but I just I, I don't see him as that lockdown guy. Um, and, and Hansel Robles, uh, you know, who knows what they're going to get out of him. Duffy's Velo has been down in spring. Hopefully that's just him kind of ramping up. But if his, he, I mean, he's one of the best relievers in the league, in my view, it has been the last couple of years. Um, and they need him. They need him to be that guy, whether it's, it doesn't, you know, whether it's the seventh, eighth or ninth, they need him to to be that lockdown guy the way he has been. Uh, so hopefully, you know, his Vila, Vila will, will get amped back up. But, um, you know, there, there are some guys at the back end where, um, you know, they're, they're bringing in some non-roster guys. Uh, maybe they'll work out like Matt Whistler did last year, but I do think there's a lot of uncertainty. And, you know, we, as much as Trevor May sometimes, um, uh, you know, we, sometimes maybe gave up some big home runs and things like that. He was a very good reliever uh, and got a big deal from the Mets. You know, it shows what, what the league thought of him. And I think losing him is, is, is big. Um, and there's no guarantee that, you know, I, I don't understand why they didn't sign Matt Whistler. He, they could have gotten him for, for pretty cheap. They let him go. I know they're, they're going to try to make, um, who is it? Uh, maybe Brandon, uh, Brandon Waddell, uh, you know, kind of the next yeah. Whistler, a left-handed yeah. Whistler, you know, throwing a ton of sliders. There's no guarantee that'll work out as well as it did for Whistler. So um, I, I think there are a lot of question marks. It could, it, it's like, it's like the bullpen every year, right? Like it could end up going well, uh, but, but there are concerns that, you know, and Taylor Rogers, is it going to be the 2020 Taylor Rogers or the 2019 Taylor Rogers? That will make a big difference. So best guess right now, end of the season, who leads this team in saves? Because as much as the twins say, we don't have a, cl- I saw the quotes again today. We don't have a closer. We don't have a closer. Well, somebody's going to have to close at times. Who, who do you think is going to end up with the uh, saves lead for this club? I mean, it's a three-way race, I would guess, between Colome, Rogers, and uh, and Duffy. But if I have to pick one, I'll say I'll say Rogers because um, okay. I, I do think. Back, you think? I, I think so because his velo wasn't down last year. I, I, he was getting hit harder for sure, and his location was not where it was. Um, but I, I do think he did get a little bit of bad luck as well. Um, and it, it's hard to judge guys on a sixty-game season like that. So I I, I think he bounces back. I, I think he'll end up being the top guy. That's exactly right, though, too. That That's the one thing that as much as we all tried to justify that, and, hey, look, it's great that they played World Series, the playoffs. Uh, I'm with you. I don't think that you can fairly judge much at all. Like going from – to me, it's more of a trying to judge 2019 into 21, Jake, than 20 into 21 because, I mean, 60 games in baseball is nothing. Like in hockey or basketball, that's fine. But in baseball, to actually sit there and judge things is really, really tough. So I don't take a lot of what I saw from 2020 as gospel. If it was a reoccurring theme, I do. But like you're saying here, in in Rogers's case, I don't take the whole thing and say, oh, man, he, he went in the uh, in the dumpster there. I'm very curious to see how he responds, and I think he might be fine. And something else, too, with him, he's a really cerebral dude. Like, mm-hmm. he's a thinker. He is a big-time thinker. And I think those guys, at some point in time last year, were bothered 
because the thing was just so odd, right? Like the whole and, year was odd. And he was the player rep. Yeah, and, and in, exactly. And in that year in particular, being the player rep is a big deal. You know, there's a lot of stuff that he had to work out. Uh, and he talked about that. There, he, you know, there was an article about, about that. Uh, I can't remember what publication, but uh, where he basically talked about how it was wearing on him and it was a grind, you know, because you're, you're dealing with bubbles and all sorts of COVID related issues that you would never normally have to deal with. And it was his first year as a player rep. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if it all affected him. My concern is this, and this, and what I'm about to say is, is uh, hashtag small sample size. It's spring training, but it's off the charts bad. Okay, Jake? Max Kepler, who did not have a hit for the entire month of March until Saturday against the Rays. He was 0 for 32. Now, I'm going to combine that a little bit with last year, not totally fair, 228, nine home runs, 48 games. After in 2019, 252, more impressively, 36 home runs. Um, I guess my question is this. Who is the real Kepler? And, and is it somewhere in between the guy that we saw in 2019 and the guy that we saw in 2020 now into spring training? I mean, 0 for 32 is impressively bad. I mean, he, is, he has looked like a good player. Um where I find this a concern, but an interesting one is there are potentially options here too. Like if Max Kepler stinks, you're not completely stuck there, but it's a definite concern because I don't think we have an answer of who is the real Max Kepler at this point. And keep in mind too, there's no question. The ball is going to be dead more. So those 36 home runs in a best case might translate to, let's say 26 to 30 tops. but. It's a concern, and it's a concern that I find intriguing, Jake, because it does have a fix because there are players who could take his place if he struggles or at least falls into a role where you don't find it palatable to play him on an everyday basis. Yeah, it seems I haven't watched a ton of spring trips, but from what I've seen, it seems like he's rolling over to second a lot. Um, but again, this gets into the, the conversation of small sample size and like, should we take spring seriously? Um, and, and, you know, we should bring, come, come back to that when we get to Alex Kirilov, because I definitely want to talk about that. But, um, yeah, I mean, I mean, with Kepler, like he's had one amazing year in 2019 when uh, almost everybody in that lineup had a career year or what seems like it's going to be a career year when it's all said and done. Uh, and other than that, he's been a solid but, you know, not spectacular starter, you know, with a, a, a you know, an OPS around, you know, in the 750 to 800 range. Um, which for a corner outfielder is okay, but not not great. And you know, this the ceiling is so high for him. Uh, but he's entering his age, what, 27, 28 season now. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's time, you know, he he needs to it, it, he needs to show uh that that he's the player that the twins thought he was when they signed him to that extension. I mean, it was a team-friendly extension, but still, I mean, they committed to him for a lot of years. Um and and yeah, it's a concern. I, I just the whole spring training thing, like you can the thing with spring training stats is you can use it to fit any narrative you want. Like you can say, oh, he's a veteran player. He's just working on things. It doesn't matter. Or you can say, uh, you know, he had a bad spring. So we're going to, for example, send him down uh, like Alex Kirla. So like, I, I don't, I don't personally think you should put that much weight into spring training, but I will say, oh, for 32 or whatever um, <laughs> it was like, yes. that, that is, uh, that's pushing it. That's, that's, impre- that's impressively bad. 
Yeah, yeah. But let, let let's give let's give him let's give him a month or two uh, uh, before we start panicking about Kepler. Curiosity. What's your greatest curiosity about these twins? I guess my greatest curiosity. I guess I, I'll combine this with excitement. But my greatest curiosity is just how great is Andrelt Andrelton Simmons? Because I love watching him, but I I've watched him so rarely because he plays on the West Coast and he plays for a team that's not competitive. But whenever I watch him, I'm just like, oh my god, his defense is so spectacular. Like it's another level. Um, and so I'm just curious to to see all those little plays that he makes, you know, that, that don't necessarily show up on highlight reels, but just really smart little defensive plays. I'm curious just how good he really is. Cause I mean, I know he's elite, but I just can't wait to watch him. Like that's to me, the, the beauty of baseball is, is watching guys defensively every day. Cause you pick up on little things, little nuances that you don't see if you're just watching highlights or, or recaps. Um, and I was watching the game the other day at uh, they were playing the Red Sox at, they have the like mini monster, whatever they call it. Um, and uh, it was that it was that home run that Dominic gave up, gave up and the ball, it was like a moonshot. Right. And sit, so Arise is just standing there watching it. All the infielders are standing there watching it. Simmons is sprinting out into the outfield to try to feel the potential carom off the monster. And I just thought like, man, that is something that so few infielders would have the the wherewithal to do, you know, like he's trying to make a play on that ball from the infield. And those are the little things that Simmons does that makes him so elite. And I can't wait to watch that every day. Do you, do you think that what finally drove them to do this? And by the way, if he can play on a daily basis, it's going to be fantastic. You're absolutely right. Do you think what finally drove them to this was, was Polanco's misplay against the Astros? in the playoff game. I mean, two years ago, these guys had Sano and Polanco on the left side of the infield and were asked continually about defense and basically said, oh, no, no, don't worry about it. It's going to be fine. It's going to be fine. If they're healthy now, and I love this, the left side of your infield, Donaldson and Simmons, who are going to be, you know, vacuum cleaners, absolute vacuum cleaners. And I just wonder what got the Twins finally to the point of saying, you know what? That defense is pretty damn important as opposed to the, in my opinion, laissez-faire attitude that they really took two years ago. To, oh, it's a mistake. It's a mistake. I mean, I think the Polanco play was a, a culmination of a couple of years of pretty mediocre defense at short. You know, I mean, he's he's a great hitter. Uh, he's he was the team MVP in my opinion in 2019 um, just had an amazing year started in the all-star game at shortstop. But yeah, I mean, he was subpar, I think defensively. Um, and, you know, would they still have made the move even if he had made that throw cleanly? I think that probably would have, you know, if you have a chance to get a guy like Simmons uh, and move Blanc over to second where he should be above average instead of below average, you do it. But um, yeah, I mean that it, it summed up sort of, like you said, they're kind of maybe laissez-faire, attitudes about about defense and uh, that was just a, a brutal play and obviously it, it cost them the game to a large extent but the, the, the thing with that left side Simmons has had injury issues oh, and, yeah. and, and I, I, I guess another curiosity that I have is just how many games is Donaldson actually going to be able to play uh, I think it's a major question mark going into 2021 absolutely okay so here's mine and, and it, it goes to uh, a player that you brought up earlier in talking twins Alex Kirilov, and my curiosity is, how long do they keep up the charade of rotation in left field? Because nobody won that job. When you tell me that your options are 
Rooker, who had a good spring, and I like him, okay? And if he won the job fair and square, opening day, left fielder, and he's going to play there for, you know, a month or two months or something, I say, okay, cool. But the reality is Rooker, Garlic is still there, right? They've talked about Cave. They've talked about Arise. In other words, it is a rotation, and in Rocco speak, unless he knows and just is not telling, which is possible, we are going to see a rotation of players. So my curiosity is, how long are you going to leave Kirilov down? And the other problem here, the problem is this, Jake. So Kirilov didn't play a game last year until he got in for game two of the playoffs because there was no minor league season. The Saints AAA season now doesn't start till May 4th. And so he's going to stay back and, I guess, work in simulated games and things, but those aren't real games. So since nobody officially won this job and you're going to have this massive audition rotation in left field, my curiosity is how long are we going to do this until you plug in the guy that you clearly want to play left? Is it going to be a month? Is it going to be two? Are you going to allow him to get at bats in St. Paul? Uh, because I'm just I'm not buying this whole thing about we got all these options and left. It's like a quarterback in football. If you got options, you don't have a starter. I think it'll I think they'll wait until however many days it is <laughs> until they can call him up or they get an extra year of control. Uh, maybe they'll hold him down a few more days just to to for the PR. Um, but I don't know. Other I know other people disagree with me. I think that was service time manipulation i think it's i think it checks off all the boxes you know you've got a top prospect uh who you envision being a part of your franchise for a long time uh he's he's major league ready or, or just about major league ready he's already played in a playoff game in this case yep. um uh, I, i'm sorry but i don't buy a, you know i a four for what was it four for 33 spring or whatever like, that's a tiny sample size uh he's ready um and there's precedent there's precedent with this front office as there is with basically every front office. They did this to Buxton in 2018. Mm-hmm. They didn't call him up in September uh, so they could get an extra year of control. They said he wasn't healthy, but he had been playing every day at AAA for like three weeks prior to September 1st. Buxton was pissed about that. And I don't blame him at all. I would be pissed too. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so we know that this front office is willing to manipulate service time, uh, even though they deny it, you know um, it, it seems clear to me and to a lot of people that that's what that was with Buxton. I think that's the same situation with Kirilov. Again, people disagree with me. That's fine. But I think we'll see him before the Saints ever play an official game on, you know, in early May. The problem was Kirilov didn't make it tough. Like, yeah, but hit 250, buddy. Hit 250, hit 260. Make it tough because I it becomes so – but I, hell, the Cubs sent that kid down who had an unbelievable spring, and everybody agreed – that he, he was one of their best players. And it's the second time, along with Chris Bryant, that they've taken a player who had a, just a fine spring and said, yeah, but have you seen his fielding or have you seen this or that? And the, the guy that got fired by the M's, uh, the president, came out and basically admitted that. The one thing I will say is Falvey's not a dumb guy. They have to know that, that in the CBA that's going to be negotiated this winter, and my guess is – to your point from before, we're not playing baseball next spring because of the fact that there's going to be a lockout or strike. They have to know that's going to be stripped out. Now, Kirloff, they could try and grandfather guys into the rule. I don't right. know. 
But there is no way on God's green earth that the next time that we play baseball after 2021, Jake, that that rule is going to be alive because it's stupid. And I don't know how did the players allow that? Like the players should have put their foot down and said, no, it's got to be a year. It's got to. I mean, if you send a guy down, there have to be repercussions that actually hurt the team. And I think this is like a 15 day rule. It's absolutely stupid, in my opinion. Yeah, but we don't. You're right. It's going to be different, but we don't know how it's going to be different. I don't think they know how it's going to be different, and they and and they don't know whether, like you said, it'll be he'll be grandfathered in. Um, and so I, I think maybe from their viewpoint, they're saying, "Well, we'll do this and hope that with the new CBA, they still get that extra year." I mean, do you think it was service time manipulation? I think it was a little bit of both. I I, I mean, he was so he was so bad that I that it's hard to dump on them for doing it. But that being said, if service time was not an issue, he stays. So, yes, I do. Um, the, pro- the problem is what the Cubs did is egregious. Because what the Cubs did was they sent a player down who clearly was functioning very well and is prepared to play and showed it in spring training. Um, so I, I believe this. I believe one reason why there is not going to be a normal opening day in 2022 is because of stunts like this. And the Buxton thing was brutal. Like the Buxton thing right. was bad because Byron Buxton is it was a key to your team at that time, can't stay healthy, finally did, played in Rochester for what, about a month before that, and they just said, go home. So that one, didn't, but but I mean, that's that's why we are in for a collision of some sort, and we should be. Um, the problem is, again, if he had hit 260, at least we could dump on the team. It becomes tougher since he didn't produce really. Yeah, but that's such a small sample size. I mean, he's four for 33. You, you know, you turn four of those outs into hits and he's hitting 250, basically. I mean, I just think if you're going to base decisions on that, on 12 games in spring training, like this front office is way too smart to do that. And like, isn't Jake Cave hitting like 150 in spring training? Yeah, but why he's not, Jake. He's Jake why, Cave. Why not send him down? He has option. He well, has an option left. The biggest tell to me is is this one. Nobody really won that job. Like if they come out, my if I was them, I would have come out and said, Brent Rooker is playing unbelievable. He is our opening day left fielder, no question, bug off, right? They didn't say that. In twin speak, that they're like, oh, it might be a rise, it might be Rooker, it might be Cave, it might be. So that's the tell to me. They don't have they have nobody officially in that position, and they're not going to until Kirloff gets here. So there is certainly something to that. But but let me just ask you one more thing. If I came to you, generic, generic player, not, not affiliated with any specific team, top consensus top fifty overall prospect, good enough good enough team, good enough by the team to start a playoff game, right? Uh and, and get sent down because he had a four for thirty three spring. Yeah, I mean you would say that's service time, right? I mean, you'd say that's that's blatant service time manipulation. You yeah, I'm, I'm just saying it's hard it's hard to debate them too much. That's why I wanted the kid to hit 260. Because then we could I want I want it crystal clear that we can dump on them for this, and it's tougher because of the fact that they can hide behind the fact that he didn't have a good spring. So that's what do you thing. what do you think they would have done if he had hit 300 with? Five bombs. I think they would have sent him down, and then we could have dumped on him. I want you. I I want it so obvious that it's served up on a platter like a juicy fastball. That's what I wanted. All right, season sure. pre- season prediction, sir. 
What is your prediction, Twins record this year? Um, I will go with eighty-nine and seventy-three, and second wild card spot. I think they're going to sneak into the playoffs. This feels like an eighty-eight to ninety-two win team to me. I think the White Sox are going to win the division, um, but I think the Twins will get in as a wild card. I think they're a good team, and I think their ceiling is you know in the ninety-five to one hundred range. But uh, I think there are question marks about the bullpen there's question marks about kepler and kirloff and all, all of these guys that we've been talking about uh, it doesn't feel like as sure a thing to me as last year it, and last year was so weird but like you felt so confident that they were either going to win the division or get in the playoffs even before expanded playoffs was announced mm-hmm. i don't have that same sense this year i think they're gonna be battling for a wild card and we'll eventually get it the white Sox have had some bad luck so far yes which to me so which to me starts and, and here's my problem personally, I've been high on the White Sox for two years now, and and like the corner seems to be turned. And every time I get that confident about a team and, and things start to go wrong, injuries, and also this little factoid, and this hit me last night as I sat down to do these uh, projections. You're relying on Lance Lynn. Lance Lynn pitched for the Rangers last year, okay? The Rangers basically were off the map. And Lance Lance strikes me as a guy in life who likes it when his team stinks because Lance's life becomes simpler. Lance can go out to the steakhouse and eat. Hey, you're Lance Lynn. You won, but your team stinks. Yeah, I'm Lance Lynn, kid. I think the Twins win the division, and I think they win 96 games. Wow. I am mystic, Judd. I I am reversing course. You know why? Because here's my thing. I don't pick on the home teams. I pick on the teams that I get too confident in, and I'm convinced the White Sox, and, and plus this too, the Larusa thing, and we, yeah, we've, that was t- we've talked about this a lot on Mackie and Judd, and Dex has talked about this as well. The Larusa thing, it's a real stretch, and I could see it below. I mean, Tim Anderson, who I who I love, I, I love too. him. He's I great, so I'm not blaming him here. But do you really think that he's going to spend an entire year with an old curmudgeonly Larusa and be like, Tony, I love playing. They're they're going to blow up there. Um, and so I think that I think that the twins are going to take advantage. And look, you know what? The Rocco Baldelli twins, I have no questions about this. They're a damn good regular season team. Now, mm-hmm. if if you want to talk about the playoffs, I'll sing a different tune there for you. But I think they're going to win 96 games. I think the White Sox are going to contend for a wild card. I don't know that they're going to make it. And and I've just become convinced in the past week or so that my confidence in Chicago was too high. And, and we have seen the Twins um, have success now for two years. And I do like the starting staff. I'm with you. Like, I think the starting pitching's good. Uh, I think that there are certain guys like Garver who are going to come back and rebound and if the left side of that infield can stay healthy it's going to help the pitching if donaldson can stay on the field he could have a phenomenal year at the plate optimistic judd is right 96 and 66 wow wow dex dex your thoughts what do you what do you i'm I'm shocked uh you saw my eyes get so wide i i I could not believe it i thought you're gonna say 86 wins um 96 is a lot i where i fall I'm more bullish on the White Sox still. Um, even with them losing Jimenez, I still think their lineup is better than the Twins, even without Eloy. I think it's a damn good lineup. 
I think where they'll push over the Twins is if guys like Dylan Cease and Michael Kopech come in and they're lights out and they hit their projected ceilings as prospects because those two dudes obviously have a ceiling that we haven't seen yet. And if they become basically, because right now, I mean, they're competing as your fourth and fifth guys in, in that rotation. But if they elevate their game, I mean, now Dallas Keuchel turns into a three or four and you have someone like Kopech or Cease who has finally morphed into who they are. That, that, that's still a big if for them. I kind of have the Twins at about 90 wins, White Sox at 91. I think it's going to be a, a one or two game difference in who wins that division. I'm leaning on White Sox still. But I, I think those two pitchers, because if those horses get going, then the, I think the White Sox will run away with it. I, I, like, I don't disagree. I like that, but that's lots of ifs. And mm-hmm. again, I'm going to go back to the Larusa thing. I think was a mistake. Oh, if, that was a huge if, mistake. If this was Hinch, if this was Hinch, I would pick the White Sox. I think. The, I mean, the White Sox epitomized the like young, yeah, fun, you know, aggressive, like flip the bat, like that mentality that's kind of taking over baseball, which is awesome. And that I, I'm so, I love that. They epitomize that more than almost any team in the league, other than maybe the Padres. Why would you sign Tony La Russa? He's as old school as it gets. Their, their owner still loves him. Yeah. He's still, he, he is trying to make up for firing Tony in what, 87 or something? Seriously, that's why. Nobody with that franchise, aside from the guy who owns it, wanted this. And I think it's a massive mistake. Uh, Tony also is not changing. Like he's not, I, you're not going to see, uh, I've, you know, had a come to Jesus with the analytics department, Tony, he's going to be himself. And I think it's going to blow up. And I think I really believe that that's going to cost them games. Um, And that's not even getting to the point where I really think he's going to have a difficult time identifying with his players, his players, Jake, you're exactly right are really seem to be like a fun bunch of guys that get it. Um, and I do, I do think this. I think the regular season twins with Rocco have proven to be a very set, a steady club. Yeah. A very steady club. And in baseball, over 162 again, not 60, I think that becomes incredibly important to have that. Now, playoff-wise, I have no idea. But through through the regular season, I think the twins are in – pretty good shape provided of course guys don't start to fall left and right that includes your third baseman your shortstop center fielder it has a very uh 2012 i think it was 2012 red sox hired bobby valentine and lost like 90 mm-hmm. plus games it, it, it feels like it could go in that direction where the entire clubhouse turns on the manager so it's a all good all right that. next up team most valuable player for the minnesota twins um, I'm gonna have to, I'm gonna be optimistic. I'll I'll take a, a cue from Optimistic Judd and say Byron Buxton, because I I mean it, you know if he plays 130 games, he's basically a lock to be team MVP because when he plays, he's one of the best players in the game. So um, I'll say that you know he doesn't get unlucky uh, with you know getting hit in the head or getting hit, you know following a ball off his foot. Um, and manages to to play a, a full season or, or most of the season, and and produces at an incredibly high level. Right, he's right in the middle of his prime right now. You know, so so I'll say I'll say Buxton. All right, I'm going to say if I'm going to go with 96 wins, then things are going to have to go incredibly right. And if things go incredibly right, Buxton's a good choice. I'm going with JD. So if the if the Twins are going to get 
to 96 wins. The calf problem can't be, I missed 30 games here. I missed 15 games here. And now I'm out for 25 games. With the Braves in 2019, he played in 155 games. Donaldson had a slugging percentage of 521, 37 home runs, 94 runs driven in. So let's say the ball is deadened somewhat now. Okay, he hits 30 or he hits 27. Uh, The point being, though, he stays healthy. He plays fantastic defense. and, And Donaldson was signed to be that guy. So if I'm going to go with this team is going to reach its peak and win the division, Donaldson is going to have to consistently not only stay on the field, but be healthy, play a lot, and play well. So going down the optimistic Judd path, I'm going Donaldson, team, MVP. Declan, who would your choice be for the Twins MVP? Yeah, I'm, I'm also with you. I'll go JD. Um, I think I know he's still up there in age, and the calf problems are concerning, but when he is playing healthy every day and he's been there and done that before his swagger, I think too, is also very important. And the way he carries himself for it, for a team that's usually been mostly pretty quiet. And I think that's, what's so interesting to me is like Rocco and, and this philosophy of like, we don't let anything leave the room. We talk in circles. We don't ever give you the answer we want. And Justin, or Justin, Josh Donaldson is basically like, yeah, I bleep and suck today. Like, I, I love that. He just, he's very candid. Um, and the way he even just talks about hitting and all this stuff and his, his approach off the field, I think that's important. But when he is healthy, I mean, he's been arguably a top five player in baseball. It's just, yes, those calf problems are concerning. But I think at the end of the day, he makes the biggest difference in the terms of winning an MVP. Best pitcher, Jake DePew, you start. I'm going to have to go Maeda. Uh, what I saw last year was unbelievably impressive. He's finally got, you know, a firm rotation spot. He never had that in L.A. He was always sort of kind of a tweener. Um, I, I, I think he's figured some things out. I think he's comfortable in Minnesota. Um, and I, I know it was a small sample size last year, but man, he looks so good. And I just, to me, there's not a better pitcher on the staff. So I'll, I'll, I'll go my Ada. Jax. I'll go out a little bit out of left field here. Um, and I'm going to say that I, I kind of like, I, I, I was digging what Jake was saying about Taylor Rogers. And I think Taylor Rogers really bounces back and becomes that fireman he was in 2019. Yeah. Last year, he just, there was unlucky situations. I think he swings back in and becomes basically, I mean, how, how they morph those three dudes in, in Duffy and Taylor Rogers and Colome. I think that's, those are going to be their three firefighters, but how they use them situationally is going to be interesting how it plays out. But I think Taylor Rogers is going to be the best of those bunch. And therefore, all these relievers, like the Josh haters of the world, there's no longer like the cl- the closer is dying in baseball. It's a lot yeah. of the many things that's dying in baseball, but it is going away. And and I think the, that Taylor, the game, the game is the dying. game is dying. We we won't talk about but that. We won't, no saves, no saves. Uh, but but uh, but I think with the way they're going to use Rogers is going to be in extreme high leverage situations and maybe in areas too where he he maybe starts with a runner on first or second or or with one out an inning and he might still come back out there for the seventh or eighth. So I'm gonna go with Taylor Rogers. I so badly, so badly for like the third consecutive year want to say Jose Barrios. Like it, it's on the tip of my tongue because for how long? Because I mean, when that guy is on, he has lights out. He's unbelievable. He looks, he's so good. And then you always go through what that spurt in September. Is that right? Like uh, is it August? August, yes, August. I think. August 1st hits and it's like, what happened? Uh, Jake's right. Maeda. He... The thing I like about, I loved about him 
in the, I believe it was 11 starts that he made last year was the poise. Mm-hmm. Like the poise is real. I mean, that's not a small sample size conversation. That's just who he, he is. And I feel like his heart is just like his heartbeat is just even the entire time. And I love that. Um, with real things get to him. With Maeda, they don't seem to. And I don't think that that's going to change if he makes 11 starts or 25 starts or something. So anyway, uh, I think Jake's right. And I do think that if Maeda can pitch over the course of a full season like he did last year, it helps Barrios a lot, which is a great thing. So I'm with you, Jake. Kenta Maeda. All right, last thing. Breakout player. Jake DePew. Well, I hope it's Alex Kirilov. I hope he gets the chance. I think he will uh, in late April. Um, so I, I'm going to go Kirilov because I think he's he's the real deal, man. I, that, he, that swing is looks really good. Uh, I know, like, you can't get a smaller sample size than one game, but like that playoff game, like that was impressive to me because he didn't seem flustered in the least. Like he got a hit, he he hit another ball hard, he made a diving catch. Um, he it seems like he's a guy that just eat sleeps and breathes baseball uh he's he's super talented he's rising up the prospect rankings i i just think he's gonna have a big year once he finally proves to uh the organization that he has what it takes to crack <laughs> crack the major league roster it'll be great in st paul declan yeah kirloff's a good one i'm actually gonna go with brent rooker i think the bat's ready to play here and i'm curious how much he plays just because we don't really know when he's going to be able to start, is he starting all, every day in left field? Do they want other people rotating in? That was like, I know, and I'm not trying to say this point that it would have been better off without Nelson Cruz, but if you don't have Nelson Cruz, it does give you more options at the DH position and at a corner spot. That being said, what Nelson Cruz brings to the team obviously is more than being able to platoon guys on first or DH or left field, but it does make things harder to get guys like Rooker and Kirloff the time. But I think that bat is legit. He's ready. He can't go down to the minors and really learn anything else at this point. I think that bat's ready to go, and he's going to hit a lot of bombas. Play some first base, possibly? Maybe. For, Maybe. For the current guy? I wouldn't mind it. Sano is a big, to me, that's a big one. I have no clue. I have no clue what to expect there. And uh, at some point in time, I got to think that it's going to start to show with if the strikeouts continue at the momentous rate that they're going at right now, that these guys are going to, like, just show us how they feel by playing time. Uh, I'm going to throw you guys a curveball. Breakout player is an established player for me at a new position, and I think he's going to thrive. Jorge Polanco. I think Polanco going to second base is absolutely positively ideal. I, I think Polanco did the best that he could at shortstop. But, folks, let's be serious here. Two years ago, they basically said, you know what? If you're more comfortable throwing sidearm, that's cool with us. Like, to Jake's point from before, we're going to get a steady dose of a gold glove shortstop, and I can't tell you how many times our mouths are going to be agape because we became used to Polanco trying hard, right? Like, we're now going to see a shortstop make play after play after play and make decisions that will be right constantly. Um, it's going to be a tutorial on how the position should be, be played. And Polanco tried, but he wasn't that guy. I think the move to second is going to suit him well. I, I think, as far as I know, he, he's going to come back healthy after, what, the ankle problem last year. I think Polanco is going to break out compared to last year based on on health and comfort. I like that choice. And you know what I love about Polanco 
even last year when he was had the ankle issue, that he's one of the few guys in that lineup that you can pencil in every single day. He never complains. Like he's just he's low maintenance. And that's why I thought he was a team MVP in 2019. He played like 155 games or something. Um, he just plays every day and he plays hard and he and he's got the bat. And now that he's, like you said, at a, at a position that suits him more, I think that's a really good choice. I could see him having a big year. Thank you, sir. Great stuff. Talking twins. We'll, we will do this on a daily basis on Mackie and Judd, which obviously you can find at all of the good places you find podcasts. And uh, Jake DePew and I and Declan, We'll do Talking Twins, an extended version, once a week on Mondays. We'll talk to you soon. Whether it's Baker's Simple Truth Turkey or Mac and Cheese with Murray's English Cheddar or pie made with fresh Cosmic Crisp apples, there are many dishes we look forward to sharing during the holidays. And Baker's has all the fresh ingredients you need to turn today's holidays into tomorrow's memories. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Get more ways to save at the Buy 5 or More Save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Bakers, fresh for everyone. This holiday season, Peloton's got a gift for you. Right now, get up to $200 off accessories with the purchase of a Peloton Tread. Accessories like non-slip grip resistance bands, a heart rate monitor, yoga blocks, and more. Take your workout to the next level with Peloton. Motivation that moves you. Hurry, this limited time offer ends December 25th. Visit OnePeloton.com to learn more. All access memberships separate. Offer ends December 25th. Cannot be combined with other offers. See additional terms at OnePeloton.com.